Welcome to Tower Talks with Inside Towers, the wireless infrastructure industries podcast. And now for your weekly recap, a timely review of this week's top headlines and takeaways. Here's your host. And welcome to this week's recap of top wireless infrastructure news for the week of June 7th to 11th. I'm Jim Fryer, Managing Editor of Inside Towers. With me is our Washington Bureau Chief, Leslie Stimson. Hello, Leslie. Hi, Jim. Uh, so what happened this week? Uh, this has been, well, they've all been busy weeks. We're, we're in an industry that's just, uh, that's just the way it's built. Every new day has a kind of a new wrinkle to it. And we're, we're happy to, to bring those changes to you on a daily basis. On Monday, June 7th, uh, we let off with a story about the dip in the chip market, which is still one of my favorite headlines. I'm sorry, folks. We sometimes indulge ourselves with the headlines we find amusing. More, more for our own amusement than, than yours, but uh, uh, we, we like to have fun with the words sometimes. So there's a dip in the chip market, uh, which, of course, was about the chip shortage that is upon us and really affecting everything across the board. Uh, but particularly in our industry, um, where companies just can't obtain enough computer chips to meet their orders. Um, we reported that the global computer chip shortage is the result of a perfect storm caused by pandemic-fueled supply chain problems and the soaring use of silicon for everything from laptops, cell phones, wireless networks to automobiles, washing machines, refrigerators, and even toothbrushes. And being one of the, the major chip providers, Intel, they had the bleakest assessment of the situation while semiconductor companies can take short-term action to ease the global semiconductor shortage, Intel CEO Pat Geisinger talked at a recent trade show in, in Taipei that it will take several years for the situation to be resolved. He told the Washington Post of Intel's plans on boosting automotive chip production within six to nine months, but he said it will take much longer to increase capacity. Geisinger told the Post, we do believe we have the ability to help, but I think this is a couple of years until you are totally able to address it. So um, no short-term solutions in, uh, in that market, at least from, from Intel's standpoint. What else happened on Monday, Leslie? Well, Jim, next we go to Texas. The Arlington City Council approved an agreement with an international developer, Sci-Fi Networks, to build a fiber optic a fiber optic network um, across its community, which is 99 square miles. They're preparing for smart city status. Uh, according to Sci-Fi, Arlington will become the first city in Texas and the largest in the nation where the company will deploy its open access fiber network citywide. Sci-Fi says it's committed to offering the fastest, most reliable and competitively priced network. That's according to Sean Parker, Sci-Fi Network's Vice President for Business Development and Government Affairs. He said, Sci-Fi believes in leveling socioeconomic barriers by allowing all residents the opportunity to connect to its networks. And something happened with Blackstone on Tuesday, Jim. Yes, uh, one of the larger uh, data center uh, companies and publicly traded QTS was bought up uh, by investment company Blackstone and um, cost them only $10 billion. 
which shows their interest in the data center market and, and how they value it. Um, they will, Blackstone Infrastructure Partners will acquire all outstanding shares of common stock of QTS Realty Trust, and they will pay $78 per share in an all-cash transaction. Uh, and that, uh, as I said, the total value is around $10 billion, including the assumption of, of the debt. A market analyst of Moffitt Nathanson, Nick Del Deo, who we, we quote often because uh, Nick's a, a, a great observer of the market. Uh, and said that the deal translates to an equity value of around $6 billion, enterprise value of about $8.5 billion. Um, I'm sure Nick knows what that means because I don't. But uh, <laughs> his company has uh, long struggled, he said, with their valuation. I, uh, Nick said, on the one hand, we've always admired its scrappy mindset. Uh, its leasing volumes have been solid, its service delivery platform is market leading, and it, it has engaged in some smart mergers and acquisitions over its history. But on the other hand, the company's bottom line results have never quite matched its qualitative appeal. So um, there you go. There, there's a, a, some, some major, major dollars lining up in the, in the, the data centers market, and that, that just seems to become an increasingly uh, valued and, and hot market for for developers and investment companies alike. Also on Tuesday, Sharp Smith, our newly minted technology editor at Inside Towers, uh, continues to uh, deliver some great content for us. And he had a story about AT&T's recent moves, uh, the, the media business, and, and how they're uh, going to um, try to pair that off and, and, and focus on their, on their core business. Sharp said that after shedding Warner Media and DirecTV, AT&T is revealing its path forward, and that includes higher speeds and fiber deployment. At the same time, AT&T is concentrating on debt reduction, reducing its leverage significantly by 2023 and increasing investments in 5G and fiber. Sharp quoted uh, John Stanky, who is the CEO of AT&T, uh, saying that the, uh, uh, they are now focusing on infrastructure, which is a good thing for all of us in the industry. Um, this was said at the recent JP Morgan Global Technology Media Conference on May 24th. Uh, Stanky said, I want three businesses growing when this is all said and done. I want the consumer fixed business growing. I want an enterprise business that's growing and I want a wireless business that's growing. So we turn to Wednesday. On Wednesday, uh, we had a story about Intelsat meeting an important deadline for its C-band repack. We are quoting a story from Space News, which said that a year after former FCC Chairman Ajit Pai announced the acceleration of the repack of C-band for 5G, a satellite operator has met a key metric toward clearing the, that portion of the band by December 5th. That's an FCC deadline. Space News obtained an internal memo from Intelsat that said all C-band customers on its satellites have been moved from the lower 120 megahertz. Filters will now be installed on ground antennas to eliminate interference between the satellites and the wireless communication users. So 
the prize for leaving the C-band early is billions of dollars for satellite firms. Uh, all five eligible satellite operators, UTELSAT, Intelsat, SES, Star One, and Telesat, chose accelerated relocation, according to the FCC. Also on Wednesday, we had a story about the White House using um, a multi-prong approach to tackle supply chain shortages. So we have chip shortages and we have supply chain shortages. The Biden administration said it will form a supply chain disruptions task force. This is one of several actions the White House is taking after conducting a 100 day supply chain review. President Joe Biden ordered the review in February to determine whether U.S. companies are relying too much on foreign suppliers, especially those in China. The review focused on semiconductors, pharmaceuticals, rare earth minerals, and large batteries, you know, the kind that go in automobiles. Then on Thursday, we had a story about the Senate. The Senate okayed billions of dollars for U.S. chip manufacturing. Um, this occurred after months of political jockeying and procedural hurdles. The Senate approved a roughly $190 billion science and technology bill to boost U.S. competitiveness with China. The bill invests several billion dollars into U.S. semiconductor production and emerging technology industries like artificial intelligence and quantum computing. So the point is, money into the U.S. to create our own chip production. The bill is called the U.S. Innovation and Competition Act. It builds off a previous proposal from Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer, which was called the Endless Frontier Act. Endless Frontier was one of the first big bipartisan bills to come from the Biden administration. So this, uh, now the Senate has done it, but it has to now go over to the House. So we'll see what happens there. Well, once again, there's another bipartisan bill coming from the telecom industry. I'm, I'm, I'm glad that uh, they seem to be in, in sync on a lot, of, a lot of the telecom agendas. They're in sync on that, not, not on infrastructure yet. We've been covering that in bits and pieces, all the the angles up to that. But yes, on chips, at least they agree. And then that takes us to Thursday, where we have a big story about Dish's sister company, EchoStar. Yes, Leslie, on Thursday, we had another story from Space News, which I, I love the name of that. I have to get that magazine to see if they have ads for ray guns and things like that. But um, the Space News uh, reported about a nanosatellite company called EchoStar, which is a sister company to DISH. And um, nanosatellites, of course, are, are smaller, lighter, cheaper to launch versions of regular satellites. Um, and EchoStar is focusing on uh, uh, the global non-geostationary S-band. And it's the company's third attempt to launch their nanosatellite after experiencing some propulsion system failures with two previous launches. We reported that there will be some drama aboard the rocket as EchoStar has until an August deadline set by the International Telecommunications Union to secure a license that it gained through its 2019 acquisition of uh, Internet of Things, IoT startup uh, Helios Wire. 
the EchoStar's uh, chief strategy officer and president, Anders Johnson, said that uh, he was pleased to report that uh, they have been granted an extension of the regulatory milestone to reset to August 10th. And Anders said, our third nanosat is expected to launch mid-year and we are evaluating options for additional spacecraft as we continue to use the EG-1 satellite for market testing. I think that was our last space story for the week. What happened on Friday? Well, thanks, Jim. On Friday, uh, we had a story about the 5G auction of mid-band spectrum. The FCC has set auction procedures and uh, to apply and bid for auction 110. This is the auction of spectrum in the 3.45 gigahertz band. Bidding is scheduled to start on October 5th. FCC Acting Chairwoman Jessica Rosenworcel called the auction a critical step towards delivering on the promise of 5G. She said the auction will bring us closer to 5G service that is fast, secure, resilient, and most importantly, available across the country. Auction 110 will offer just over 4,000 new flexible use licenses in the 3.45 to 3.55 gigahertz band. The licenses will be divided into 10 megahertz blocks licensed by partial economic areas. In the first phase of the auction, the clock phase, bidders will bid on generic blocks in each geographic area. In the second phase, the assignment phase, they will bid on frequency specific license assignments. And that brings us to the next and last story we're gonna talk about today, Jim. Yes. Uh, final story of the week, uh, again from Sharp Smith, but this one he talked about AT&T achieving its first USC band commercial equipment call. And uh, AT&T had completed its first call using C-band spectrum with a 5G test device uh, using a Qualcomm Snapdragon modem and a also a, a Nokia Airscale baseband and a 5G massive MIMO uh, C-band radio. So this milestone was achieved in Detroit by engineers from both AT&T and Nokia who jointly worked to demonstrate the potential of the newly available N77 spectrum, which is the 3700 megahertz to 3980 megahertz band. The test used one of Nokia's MIMO antennas that the test used one of Nokia's MIMO antennas that is designed to operate in the N77 band in conjunction with the latest Nokia software. AT&T said, quote, the joint team will continue to test performance ahead of commercial network deployment, which is anticipated to begin later this year. So there you have it. There's our quick wrap up of the Week in Review. And uh, we look forward to doing this for you every week to catch you up on news you may have missed. So for Leslie Stimson, Jim Fryer, Inside Towers, bidding you a good week. Thank you for listening to Tower Talks. To subscribe to our podcast, our daily newsletter, or use our other industry resources, please visit InsideTowers.com. Until next time, you've been listening to Tower Talks from Inside Towers, the wireless infrastructure industries podcast.